beautiful weather, T-shirt weather, amen? Just love it. Don't even have to wear a coat. It's just amazing. Just love it. Oh, man, I got a tan, I think, today. Just waiting for the ride at the airport. No, you're close. <laughs> but uh, could be back here in Texas again. Thank you, Jesus. Turn your Bible to the book of Numbers, chapter 11. Numbers, chapter 11. I want to encourage you to take out a pen and paper to take notes. If you don't have one, look for a neighbor with a 50-pound purse. If it's a man with a purse, it's probably from the left coast. Definitely not from Texas. <laughs> and now Iowa. But anyways. Tonight is School of the Prophets training. I want to train you how to prophesy. This is exciting. So it's not just uh, me doing the work tonight. You get to do some of the work. And uh, the Bible says that... Uh, we said all the Lord's people were prophets. So I'm going to teach you how to do that tonight. So that's why I want you to take out a piece of paper and pen so you can learn and remember. Let's look at Numbers chapter 11, verse number 24. So Moses went out and told the people what the Lord had said. He brought together 70 of their elders and had them stand around the tent. And the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke with him. And he took of the spirit that was in him and put the spirit on the 70 elders. And the spirit rested on them. They prophesied, but they didn't do it again. But they did prophesy. So here we have an example of a whole group of people. I think the first time in Scripture where a whole group of people prophesied. And God wants that to happen tonight. Now look at the next verse. Verse number 26. However, two men whose names were Aldad and Medad had remained in the camp. They were listed among the elders, but they didn't go to the tent. And there's always somebody out there in the church skipping church. So they're supposed to be in the church. Moses told them to come. But for whatever reason, they're not in the church service. Okay, what happened? It says, yet the Spirit also rested on them, and they prophesied in the camp. So even though they missed the church service, they almost missed the revival, but God came down and filled them. The first thing that happened when they got filled with the Spirit is they prophesied. Next verse is this. A young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And there's always a narc in the church. They're prophesying in the church. Oh, no. Most pastors would rather have you get drunk in the church than prophesy in the church. <laughs> there are some weird people. There's the prophetic and there's the pathetic, okay? And, you know, there's always somebody telling them, oh, there's prophecy. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Adultery is okay, but not prophecy <laughs> in some churches. It's kind of weird how that works. But uh, he told on them, and what happened? Joshua, son of Nun, he was, must have been Catholic. Sorry. Well, John was a Baptist. So, anyways. He had been Moses' age since youth. Spoke up. This is a man of God. <clears throat> the Bible's going to talk about him. He's got a whole book in the Bible written after his name. Spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. <laughs> well, that spirit's alive and well. Stop the prophesying. Okay? You know, uh, not stop, you know, gossiping or stop lying or stop being lazy. Stop prophesying. Okay. And if, you want, if I want to make sure I don't get to preach in a church, I just tell them I'm a prophet in a non-profit organization. Okay. All right. Stop that. Okay. All right. So we can see kind of how everything's being set up here. But Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that one or two people were prophets. Say it. Say the word all. All together. All together. Oh, so take your cute little finger and point it at a neighbor. Any neighbor say, oh, look at another neighbor. Oh, sorry, I'm down, down in Texas. Say, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, forget it. So, you know, my wife was born in Peru and went to Poland to become a medical doctor. And then she felt led to be a missionary. So she moved to North Carolina. She came there to learn English. We're from up north. You know, you don't go to North Carolina and learn English. Her first phrase was, she learned in English, was, y'all want some dinner? That's a southern Hispanic accent kind of rolled in together. But anyways, um, so I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets. Okay, let's turn to Joel chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. Right before famous Amos, if you can't find Joel. If you can't find Amos, is right before Obadiah. 
Verse number 28 says, and afterward, meaning, verse 28, something's going to happen afterward, something's going to happen, says this, I will pour up my spirit on, say all again, all people, we're back to that word all again, your sons and daughters will run around the church. No. Will what? Uh-oh, that's scary. So even young people can prophesy. Amen. This is exciting. Which I'm believing God for your church for that to happen, by the way. That'll be interesting. That's a rare thing in a church. But it goes on to say this. Your old men will dream dreams. And your young men will see visions. That's why I don't want dreams. I just want visions because it's the old guys are going to dream the dreams. Not, nobody here fits that category. But someday, if we're blessed, we'll fit that category. So it's dreams and visions. This is exciting. Even on my servants, not just professionals, both men and men and who? Help me out. It's hard to see here. Men and what? Oh, so women can prophesy in the church. I thought they were supposed to be quiet. It has nothing to do with that. But anyways, men and women will prophesy. I will pour out my spirit in those days. Those days of future tense, of course. So when did those days happen? The day of Pentecost, until Jesus comes back. Amen. And yet, churches are afraid of the prophetic. And there's reasons why. We could talk a little bit about that. People get weird sometimes in the prophetic. Some of the weirdest people I've ever met are prophetic people. I'd rather be around a nice sinner than some prophetic people because they're weird. Okay? And so there's reasons why the church says, no, nah, no, nah, let's skip that part. But the Bible says, despise not prophesying. 1 Corinthians 14.31 says, and y'all, say y'all. Southern translation says, and y'all can prophesy. So your neighbor say, y'all can prophesy. Come on, look at your neighbor right in the face. Y'all can prophesy. So let's get it straight. It's not just for the few, the proud, the Marines for Jesus. It's not just for prophets. Y'all can do it. Well, if y'all can do it, then y'all should do it. Just when to do it. That's the key. We'll talk about that later. Amen. Now, let's get started on how it works. Romans chapter 12, looking at verse number 6. Romans 12, verse 6. It says this. We have different gifts, and that's what it is. It is a gift. You can't earn a gift, amen? It's a free gift, just like salvation. We have different gifts according to the grace, which means you don't deserve it. It's God's grace. You know what grace stands for, right? God's riches at Christ's expense. Okay, so it's all His grace. It's His mercy. It's another word for mercy. Given us. So in case you didn't get it the first time, it's the three G's. It's gifts, grace given. Let's say it together. Gifts, grace given. Let's say it faster. Gifts, grace given. See, I'm from Minnesota. If I don't talk fast, I freeze to death. We're the one state that prays for global warming. It's not been happening lately. Gifts, grace, given. See, that's what bothers people because God can use anybody. He used a donkey. Amen? He, hallelujah. And if God can use a donkey, guess what? Say it. And he can use your neighbor. I've seen God use little children prophesy, and you go, wow, how'd you know that? Because he can use anybody, men and women servants, sons and daughters, anybody that wants to be used. The Bible says to covet. Did you know that? Well, I, said, I thought it said, thou shalt not covet. It says that too. Thou shalt not covet. But when it comes to spiritual gifts, they're so important that God said, covet spiritual gifts. Does anybody want a spiritual gift? Raise your hand. How bad do you want them? Enough to give up a Saturday night to come here? Huh? Isn't that why you came? I pray that's why you came. It's a covet earnestly spiritual gifts. I want them. Because spiritual gifts can change the world. Christianity really has two major things to offer. Number one, we have the love of God. If we don't love people, please don't prophesy. Don't tell people you're Christian. Tell them you're Jehovah's Witness. Or maybe tell people you're an atheist. 
And that way you can evangelize backwards. I'm a mean person. I'm an atheist. Okay, thanks. I'm not going to be you. Of course, you heard about the dyslexic atheist. He doesn't believe in dogs. So anyway, um, so it's all God's grace. And so it's surprising how God can use you and me. It's His grace. How many of you ever had a bad day? Raise your hand. You ever have a disagreement on the way to church? It might be a little bit hot and heated. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Come to church. Trying to worship. Loser! <laughs> and yet God can use you anyway. Because it really comes down to it. It's His grace. It's a gift. And it's given. And if you don't want to have it, you don't have to have it. But how many want the gift? Say amen. So how does it work? We're getting there. Get ready to write. If a man's gift is prophesying, and we've already established the fact y'all can prophesy. We've established the fact in the Word of God that even Moses wished that everybody could prophesy. And Joel said we can prophesy. So what does it say? It says, if a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it. That's your next point. You've got to use your gift. It's there, but you've got to use it. It's like everybody has a brain, but not everybody uses it very often. Are you using your gifts? Because God wants to pour out His Spirit tonight, and you need to receive the gift of prophecy. We're going to pray about that in a little bit. So you can use that gift. And you know, the more you use it, exactly, it gets sharp. I mean, sharp. You begin to hear clear. Hmm. Hmm. I was praying with my wife before a meeting in Wisconsin. And she said, God, give us names of people. Give us this. Give us that. And I pray, God, if William Branham's angel's not doing nothing, bring him in the service. So we're, a lady comes in, and she has a bad self-esteem. And I called her up. I said, come up here, ma'am. And I want everybody to stand up and say, um, what's your name? Somebody said, her name is Beth. Everybody stand up and say, I love Beth. And so the 125 people or so, I love Beth. Again, I love Beth. Again, I love Beth. She felt so good. Until her brother said, uh, her name isn't Beth. Her name is Sue. Okay, that kind of throws it off a little bit, but that's I'm embarrassed. Let's try it again. I love Sue. I love Sue. So we did it three times. She felt even better that we got her name right. Of course, I know a boy named Sue. And uh, don't cash it in. But anyways, um, so she sat down and her brother stood up and said, you know, you probably don't know this, but my dad always wanted to call my sister Beth. That was, that was a secret name for my sister. I said, well, who told me her name was Beth? Nobody said it, but I heard it out loud. I thought, God, that's cool. God can do stuff like that. He wants to use you, and he wants to use me. You want to pass out some notebooks, my friend? Very good. Yeah, if you want a notebook or pen and paper, I do want to encourage you to take some notes. Um, Brother Greg has that. But friends, the more you use your gift, the sharper you get at your gift. Amen. Now, it says this. Use it in proportion. Say proportion. Proportion means amount of your faith. So the more faith you have, the more you can prophesy. If you have a little faith, you're going to prophesy a little bit. If you have a lot of faith, you can prophesy a lot. It's in proportion of faith, according to the proportion of faith. I've seen guys prophesy. They'll wander around the room. One guy would do this and say, someone here has this problem, or I see this. Somebody's from Arkansas, and first state in the Bible, no, got all the Arkansas. And I say, oh, you, okay, and they'll prophesy over that person. That's where his faith is at. Some people have faith, they prophesy over a group. Someone here has a financial problem, church of 5,000 people. Half the people raise their hand, and I know, but anyways, um, wherever two or three are gathered together, there's a financial problem, and... Um, and so the faith, um, other people can call it your names, where you're from, that's where the faith level is. Others, you know, what, what, there's different levels of faith. So if it's according to the proportion of my faith, it's not how good I am or how many, how many years of education I have. It's, it's faith. To increase our anointing and prophetic, we've got to have more what? So how do you get more faith? 
use it. Okay, let's go through some reasons. Number one, you have to use your gift. The more you use it, the more you exercise it, as you want to get pumped up. When you pump yourself up, you get better at it. It builds your faith like, well, that was good last time. Let's try it again. Okay? Somebody else. How do you get more faith? There you go. You hang around faith people, you get faith. If you hang around prophetic people, you start prophesying more. I have people that travel with me. They've never prophesied before. But after one week, they're prophesying over people. I'll come into a church, and the pastor, by the end of a couple of days, he'll be prophesying over people. Um, when I hang around people that have a healing ministry, people get healed. If I'm not around that people for a while, people stop getting healed. Okay, all right. You got to surround yourselves with people of faith. And not just faith in God, you know, but faith that God uses us in prophecy. Okay? How else do you get faith? Hearing by the Word of God. So, twofold there. When we read the Bible, it gives us faith. How many times does it say in the Scripture, God says, God says, God says? That'll fit. A lot. And I, see, the Bible says that His thoughts toward us are like the sand of the sea. When I read that Scripture, that builds my faith that I can lay hands on this man and prophesy for 30 minutes, stop, drink some water, and go for another three hours. Because God's thoughts to, about you are continual. It's not just a, God has a prophecy for six people in the church, the pastor's wife, a leader, and three rich people. How have you been to those meetings? Hey, call me out. No, you're poor. Uh, <laughs> or you look like a dork or something. I don't know why, but I never get called out. You know, I tried all kinds of looks. You know, etc. But God has a word for every single person continually. This is a church I was at last week. I've been there. I think 85 months in a row. And there's people pretty much every month I prophesy over. Because God's got something new, amen. It's not that they can't read the Bible. They read the Bible. But how many here sometimes need confirmation? Okay? I need confirmation. I was raised Catholic. I was taught you need confirmation. So, you know, I, I, I need confirmation. Amen. You know, the Bible doesn't tell us everything what to do. It gives us oftentimes a godly general direction. But sometimes you need more specifics on specific decisions. Not of black or white or moral or, or immoral. Just kind of like, what should I do? Okay, I got, you had the right heart. What, give me some direction. Give me some signposts. I'm on the right path. Amen. Do you believe that? Okay. Another thing God does, when you read His Bible, the Bible says that the Word of God is a shield. Because there's other spirits that can come into a meeting. False spirits. Demonic spirits. Uh, confusing spirits. And they can come into a service and disrupt, or they can flow through a person. Any one of us can be vulnerable. Um, who said this statement? God is not a man that He should lie nor the Son of Man that he should repent. Did he not say, will he not do it? That's good preaching stuff. Who made that statement? Sort of. Okay, but God's not a man. That's true. He doesn't lie. That's true. Did he not say? Yeah, he said it. Will not come to pass. Yes, it will. Powerful preaching. The king is in the camp. Great sermon. Just found in the book of Numbers. Who made that statement? A prophet did. Who was it? It was Balaam, wasn't it? Didn't Peter warn us about Balaam in Second Peter? Well, he was a false prophet, became a true one temporarily. He had a bad heart, exactly. But for a season, however long that was, he was right on. And, and that's the hard thing about, about ministry. If somebody can come to your church, and they can be right on for five years, and all of a sudden something's different. You've seen that. I know you've seen it for sure. It's kind of like they've changed. There's something different about that person. But they were right on, got off track. Hopefully we'll come back on track. But some people never do. See? So when you read the Bible, it keeps you safe. Some of the weirdest people I know are prophetic because if they don't read the Bible. Most Christians don't know the book of Genesis from the book of the Philippines. They've never read the book of Job. 
Say it again. Genesis. <laughs> Genesis. Okay. Uh, they've never read um, uh, the book of Psalms. Or the Italian prophet Malachi. Okay. They've just never read it. They don't know the Bible. So my goal every year, a little bit behind this year, is to read the Bible all the way through every single year. I've read it through. If I can read it through five times in Spanish all the way through, you can read it in English. Okay. It's a little bit longer to read it in Spanish. We can do it. You can do it. And it gives you faith. Wow. How many of you ever had doubt? Raise your hand. Especially about the last year and a half. You kind of start going, you know. And every month we take on more orphans. <laughs> the economy is going like this. We take on more kids. You know, how that works. But when I read the Bible, I just don't have a whole lot of fear. I got faith. There's times I'm invited to churches, it's a one-time shot because they don't believe in the prophetic and God can nail things. Wham! Wham! It's even more accurate in those kinds of churches. But I know it's a one-time shot because somebody is going to say, he's a psychic. He's of the devil. Or, you know, maybe they'll understand how prophetic works and different things and they'll shut it down. And fear can come up like, my gosh. Because believe it or not, when I prophesy over people, a lot of times I try to find the one person that doesn't want to be there. You know what I mean? That person usually gets called out. So there may be a little bit of doubt or a little bit of skepticism. Okay, God, here we go. But I know my God is with me. Amen. But if I didn't read this book, you just kind of forget after a while, don't you? Do you read the Bible? See, if you don't read the Bible, why get a prophecy? The best prophetic word you can ever get is about 2,000 pages long. We ought to read that, how many can say amen. But don't despise prophesying. But we prophesy according to the proportion of our... Say faith. How many want more faith? Say amen. Amen. Um, let's turn now to the book of Zechariah. We're going to get the next part to how it works. Zechariah, chapter 1, verse 7. I'm going to give you, this is how the prophetic works. I was around a prophet many years ago, and you can be a prophet in a non-profit organization. And I asked him, I said, how does the prophetic work? He told me it was so simple. I went, I can do that. Here I went to a Pentecostal Bible college, seminary, seminary. four years, graduated with honors, had all the classes on doctrine and history and not one on how it worked. Did you guys know anything in Bible school, how prophetic works? Yeah, okay, but how does that work? Well, they really didn't know because God didn't use them in the prophetic. Okay. Except for maybe on rare occasions where there's a general prophecy or tongues over the church, God loves you and he wants you to worship him. You know, which I've heard that like a thousand times. I think I got that one. Can we go on to something more? Of course, people don't worship. We probably need to hear it every Sunday. But the, the point is, is I didn't know how. And he explained it to me. I went, that's simple. See, it has to be simple. If everybody can do it, how many know it's got to be really simple? <laughs> if children can do it, old people, young people, men, women, it's got to be simple. So we're going to simplify it tonight. So if you're really super spiritual, it might be too simple. Like, that's easy. It's meant to be easy. Because if it's easy, then we can all do it, amen. Kiss. Keep it simple. Stammon. Stammon. My last name is Stammon. Sorry. Oh, you're thinking about the other interpretation. <laughs> On the 24th day, verse 7, chapter 1, of the 11th month, the month of Shebat, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came. So write this down. How does God speak? He speaks in words, duh. But it's kind of like this. It's like watching your favorite news station, Fox. And so anyways, I'm just kidding. Uh, and you have the pictures talking, and you have the captions. At the very bottom, you have the ticker tape. 
And all you have to do is shut your eyes. Of course, you're filled with the Spirit. Some other preliminary things you need to have. But once you're filled with the Spirit, you've been in the Word, you're seeking God, all you do is read the words. How many here can read? If you can't, don't worry about it. God uses pictures too. But let's say <laughs> you read the words. Words will come to your mind. And the more you do it, the more you see the words. The Bible calls it a word of knowledge, not a paragraph of knowledge. So a lot of times he'll only give you one word or a sentence. He rarely gives you five pages because how many can't remember that much? God said, I forgot. Say it again. He'll give you a word. And it takes faith to speak the word. For example, I was praying for a guy in Illinois, not too far from Bloomington, Illinois, um, talk about Peoria. I saw the word Punjab. Punjab. Very good. He's from India. And what is Punjab in India? Well, you know that because you're smart. I didn't know Punjab. This guy is a Hindu. And I said, I see the word Punjab. He went, that's where I'm from. That kind of works. Yeah, yeah, his physics, he's a physics major, getting his doctorate. You know, it kind of helped him believe in God, don't you think? I saw a word one time. It didn't make any sense. It was like in, in Romanian. It was like, wow, how'd you know that? I said, I was hope I was hearing from God. Okay. Didn't eat too many tacos before I went to bed or something. I mean, it, it didn't seem to make sense. But I, I, just, I, I just read the words. How many here can read? Say amen. What if nothing comes to your mind? Sometimes nothing comes to your mind, especially if you're a guy. How many guys actually go brain dead sometimes? About the time you get home from work and your wife says, How was your day? Some guys begin to speak caveman language. I'll eat, then we'll talk. Okay. So anyways, um, words come to mind. If they don't, don't worry about it. Now, it goes on to say this. Not only the word of the Lord came to him, but it says, verse number 8, During the night I had a... Isn't a picture worth a thousand words? An experience is worth a thousand pictures, but here we go. I had a vision. So when you're shutting your eyes, sometimes your eyes are open, you have a vision. You see something. You see a picture. It might be where they live. It might be where they're going to live. It might be... Um, where they work at. It might be who they're going to witness to the next day. Um, I just last week was in Kentucky, and I saw a uh, name of a person named Mary, and the older lady doesn't know anybody named Mary or Margaret, and it didn't make sense. She said, but I have a granddaughter named Melissa. I said, call her and pray for her. Yeah, maybe I missed it. So if I saw Mary, but maybe it's just M. I know I saw the M. Okay, Melissa. She calls up Melissa, and Melissa... I just want to pray for you. Got a word, prophetic word. I want to pray for you. She says, oh, I'm so glad you called, Grandma. But my friend's mom really needs prayer. Okay, well, let's pray for her. What's her name? She said, Mary. She went, oh, my gosh. It didn't make sense prophesying it because Melissa and Mary, you know. But it made sense that evening. <laughs> and so a lot of prophecies looking this way doesn't make as much sense as after it's already happened. The prophetic words about Jesus made more sense after it happened than before it happened. No bone was breaking, broken. Oh, what does that mean? After it's put in the cross, oh, that's what it means. No bone is broken. See, the scripture, the prophecies always make sense after it's over more than going this way. But it's simply pictures. And all you do is describe the picture. Amen. Think about that. Now, thirdly, God may speak to you by combining Pictures and words, and that's pretty typical. So again, if you're watching your favorite news station, you're seeing pictures and words. And that's how you describe it. I see this. Sometimes God will speak to you. I call what I call the holy hunch. You don't know for sure, but you sense it. So when I prophesied, and I think I'm pretty consistent with this, you almost never hear me say, 
Thus saith the Lord. Because it might not be God, it might be me. Other things I say are prophetic, but some things I say as pastors today are just encouraging. They just they're uplifting. They're, they, they build up, and of course, prophecy is to edify, strengthen, and comfort. Okay, but um, sometimes it's they're good ideas, and a lot of times hopefully they're God ideas. But we know in part, and we prophesy in part. And so you don't know for sure. You sense it. So you may say, "I sense you someday." For example, sir, I sense you someday starting your own business. Amen. I sense that. I don't know for sure, but I believe. But there's a lot of things from you're here to get here. There's a lot of steps to get there. But I believe you can do it. I sense, you know, this man was in a lot of bondages at one time. But little by little, God's chopping all those weed trees around you, whacking them, so you can grow. I sense at one time you felt so discouraged, you didn't even want to live. Okay? And, 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 and yet, you're here tonight, and it's miraculous. And the best is yet for you. How many would agree say amen? Does anybody here know you? He's breaking free. His confidence is, is increasing. Amen. Now, how do you see that? Now, another thing you do is the eyes are the... I'm not, look, maybe look into your eyes. I have to look into your eyes, sir. Okay. But the eyes reveal a lot of stuff. How many... People have ever seen someone that had demons in their eyes? I'm not, I'm not talking about people that are running for politics. Um, how many kids have ever seen your children lie? How'd you know? You're lying. No, oh, not lying. Yes, you are. See, how do, most women are pretty prophetic anyway, so how many men would agree? How many got busted by your mom more than once? I, I mean, I'm talking about this kind of busting, okay? Right? Right? right. So... So you, it's a hunch. You don't know for sure. Other times, you will literally feel what they feel. All of a sudden, I'm depressed. I rarely get depressed. Maybe at 3 o'clock tomorrow after the ball game's over, I might be depressed. Maybe you'll be depressed. I'll be depressed. Thanks for sharing your heart. No, I'm not going to say nothing, Pastor. Don't even tempt me with how about them... I'm not going to say it. Amen. I resist the temptation. That was challenging. But anyways, um, other times I may have a pain in my body. Uh, It's called a sympathetic pain, which means the person next to you has got it. If I get a pain in my body, it's kind of a weird pain that normally doesn't happen. I pretty much know somebody else has got the problem. So that way, I have compassion when I pray for them. Okay? Other ways that God speaks to you is, um, uh, let's see here. He'll give scriptures. They'll come to mind like, I read the scripture. And it might have been the scripture they read that day or the scripture they should have read that day. Okay? But there's a variety of ways that God can speak. Amen. But you've got to be open to how he speaks. So there's four parts of the prophetic. One is what I call the initial jumping off spot. It's the word. It's a picture. It's a feeling. It's a hunch. Sensing, pain. Um, uh, Another way he speaks is you just know. I look at the man, and I can look in his eyes, and I just know he's been through hell. I just know that. I know some days he had to fight with everything in him to live another day. I know that. But I also know victory's on the way. You're getting better. Amen? I mean, we hardly recognized you from years ago. Amen. And the best is yet to come. So, some of our pictures, and you just look at the person, and you can just see these things coming over him, in Jesus' name. But that's the first part. Sometimes I have a name of a person. It's their name or their kid's name. Sometimes it's where they're from or how old they are or whatever God... Wants, wants to say. The second part is a little bit more difficult. In fact, I think it's the most difficult part of the prophetic is the interpretation. Because remember this, and, and sister, you know this, you're very anointed in the prophetic. A lot of stuff is symbolic. And, and this is, if, if, if you make a mistake, this is usually where, where people make a mistake, is trying to force a meaning on something that maybe you don't have the meaning for. It, it doesn't make sense today. 
the definition of Christian confusion is commentaries in the book of Revelation. There's been commentaries on the book of Revelation. You know, there's been an antichrist in every generation, and the end of the world is coming. Um, and we know Revelation is God's word. See, even um, when Jesus said about um, Peter, about John, in John 21, he said, if it's my will that he remains until I come, what's that to you? So the disciples said, John will live until Jesus comes back. But the scripture goes on to say, and John even says, that's not what he meant. What he said was, and so a lot of people really don't listen carefully to the prophecy. You said this. No, I would never say that. <laughs> God bless your heart. Listen to the tape. Because people sometimes will twist it any way they can. Amen. But you got to get the interpretation. Learning to interpret prophecy takes time. Because God will give you symbols that either, number one, is for the person you're prophesying over, or number two, there's certain symbols when he shows you something, you know what it means to help you help a person. Did not the prophet Nathan speak symbolically over David? It's a man that had a sheep. Oh, he has one sheep. And the king came and stole the sheep. Kill that man. Uh, that would be you. <laughs> Don't kill that man. <laughs> have grace on him. <laughs> it's amazing how much more mercy we have for, for ourselves. Okay. Amen. See? Uh, Nathan got the right interpretation. David didn't. So interpretation is challenging. But remember this, and this is hard for analytical people. That's why it's usually harder for most men to prophesy than women because we have to figure everything out. And, and this is hard for me because I'm, I'm, I'm not really an artsy person. But prophecy is more of an art than a science. And that's difficult for some people. It's not one plus one is two. It's one plus one is, okay, God, what is it? To an accountant, what's one plus one? Whatever you need it to be. Something to think about. Anyways. So we got the interpretation. You got the initial, woo, jump off by faith. We prophesy according to the proportion of our faith. And then number two is the interpretation. Here's <clears throat> what I believe it means. Now, many times the person themselves have the interpretation. They know what it means because it's their life. If anybody should know what it means, unless they're deceived or running, the person themselves should know what it means. So it is okay to ask questions. If people get on me, well, why do you ask questions? It's because I don't know. I would rather ask a question than assume something and make a mistake. For example, if I see a couple sitting really close together like you were earlier, want to show us how you're doing that? It's, it's really cute. I'm going to assume that they're married. But it's been living a lot of sin for a lot of years. But anyways, I'm, okay. I'm going to assume they're married if they're sitting like that. But I've had times... Or they were married. Or their brother and sister. I'm glad I asked. Bring up your wife. Uh, that would be my sister. Oh, that would be you from Kentucky. Okay, next person. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was there last week. I'm kidding. Or Arkansas. There you go. Yeah. Actually, I was in Florida one time. <laughs> Hold on. It gets worse. So this couple's sitting really close together. So come up here and... I, was kind of, I kind of tease sometimes a little bit for fun, you know, make it, lighten it up. People are a little bit stressed when it comes to prophetic, like, oh, my gosh. Forgive me for every sin I've ever done. And some of the ones I didn't do, just in case I forgot. It's a little bit nervous. I kind of lighten it up a little bit. I, I try not to. It just happens. It's more, and so I invited this couple up, and I just looked, looked at the man and said, hey, how's her lips? And they're late, probably early 50s. He went, and she went, and the pastor went, and so I went, and I went, I'm quitting the ministry. Because the pastor's wife said, they're cousins. I quit. I'm praying for the rapture. I am so, my face is red, man. Oh, oh. I'm like, and she said, it's true. We do kiss. And they end up getting married. First cousins. 
little outside my box. What's that? Abraham and... Thanks for sharing that story. Great. Thanks, Pastor. And they were... Whatever. Okay. Let's talk about the Bible now. I mean, all the other parts of the Bible. <laughs> okay. Okay, guys. Thanks for sharing. Okay. Uh, the, the point is, is that it's better sometimes to ask the question to make sure. So I was in a prophetic meeting once, and, it, and the lady did the same thing. You and your spouse come up here. That's my brother. I went, oops, that'll throw off the meeting. Okay, all right. Uh, Jesus even asked questions. Did you know that? Remember the boy thrown in the... The prophet of God asked, how long has this been happening? Well, I thought Jesus was a prophet. He ought to know. But remember this. Prophets can only know as much as the Father shares. I've had people say, well, if you're a real prophet, you know this. You only know what he shows you. I had a guy just from Texas just email me. He says, you prophesy all kinds of things. You're right, but you never prophesy about my number one problem. You know, my wife doesn't even want to come to your meetings because you never expose my number one problem. I said, I can't expose it. It's forgiven. And it's forgiven. I can't talk about it. I am barred from talking about it. Now, occasionally, if somebody had an abortion or something, they're extremely guilty. They've been forgiven. God will say, I want you to talk about this. It's forgiven. But there's so much condemnation. You have to discuss it. But generally, I'm not allowed to talk about that. Because it's forgiven. How many can say, thank you, Jesus? How many have a few dark things? They're forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. Amen? How many are called born? <laughs> not a whole lot of perfect people in this sanctuary. Or in any sanctuary. Okay. So the, the interpretation is the difficult part. Difficult part. Sorry. Thirdly, there is an interpretation. There, there is the declaration. Or excuse me, there is um, uh, sorry. application. Sorry about that. Application. Application is what do you do with the word? What do you do with the word? Okay. All right, so he's been through a lot of hard times. All right, it's been really difficult. All right, the devil's tried to wipe him out. But, but what, what's he going to do? Because I see victory. I see him rescuing people. I see him helping out in the church. I see him getting a passport and going overseas and helping poor kids. I see, you married yet? Him getting married, but you've got to ask her out. That's the hard part. I, see, but there's application. Okay, I got the word. <clears throat> I know what you're telling me. I know what it means. Well, what do I do with it? Sometimes God won't give a straight path. He'll give different options. I see you becoming a preacher. I sense you need to go to Bible school. and You may end up in Missouri or Iowa, maybe both. And, but he doesn't always give the exact every step. Did you know that? Didn't God tell Moses, you're going to lead my people into the promised land? Did he tell them it's going to take 40 years? Because even back then, men would not ask for directions. Did he tell Moses up front that you're never going to make it and only two people are going to make it? Did he tell them that up front? Absolutely not. We're on a need-to-know basis. We just don't need to know. <laughs> and that's the hard part about the prophetic is you don't get every detail. But really, how many don't want every detail? How many of you have been through some garbage stuff that if someone had told you, yeah, you're going to pastor a beautiful church on the hill. It's going to be so exciting. And they would have told you everything you have to go through to get there? <laughs> uh, bail out. <laughs> right? I'm out of here. He tells you just enough to motivate you. And you find out, like, this is kind of a long journey. If it was easy to get the cheese, we'd all be fat rats. It's not easy. So we got application, what to do with it. For example, I was praying for a lady, and I said, I see you going in the ministry. She's Episcopalian. I said, I see you. I see the number 57. 
She says, well, I'm 56. I said, well, good. I see 57 and go to seminary. And she had a choice of maybe five or seven seminaries. She's called the one in Pittsburgh, which is not the closest one. Some town near Pittsburgh and uh, somewhere in Pennsylvania. She said, I'm praying about it. She she goes in the office, meets with the dean of students. I got a prophecy. (laughs) This is Episcopalian. I got a prophecy. I'm supposed to be in the ministry. I got the number 57, and I'm 57. They said, well, do you know that the company Heinz, where they make Heinz 57, is right in this town? That's a pretty good application to go to seminary there. <laughs> All right, here we go. Fourth part is declaration. You have to, or proclamation. You have to speak out the prophecy. You have to, you're going to succeed. You're going to walk in victory. You're going to get married someday. You're going to have that business someday. You're going to be that youth pastor someday. You're going to, and it's proclaiming and declaring. Didn't God say to the earth, be formed and it was formed? There's power, not just in the blood, there's power in the tongue. Amen. So you have the point number one, the what? Jumping. It's the only one that doesn't rhyme. You have the interpretation. You have the, you have the, Declaration. Let's try to get. First point is the. Second point is the. Interpretation. Second point is the. Third point is the. First point is the. Second point is the. Third point is the. Fourth point is the. Third point is. Just kidding. Okay, so you're getting it done. Okay, that's how it works. It's all by what? Okay, so we got that point. Any questions so far? And now we're going to go to the next stage of the meeting where I'm going to call somebody out. I'm going to demonstrate uh, a prophetic word. And then the next time around, you get to help me. Okay? So I'm going to get the guy in the cap. He's talking to you. Okay? Stand right here. And I'm going to demonstrate and watch because your turns are coming. Amen. And the lady next to you is your stand by your, stand by your man. Could be could be a song. Here we go. Now on the outside, he's a little rough. He's tough. You don't have to worry about somebody beating you up. Stick him in the way. Take you out myself. I'll care. There's five of you. Very protective that way. Behind that tough skin is a loving person. Amen. And it's true. He's got. And here's the word I'm saying: is a good Samaritan heart. You stop by and help people. And we know these are man hands. Say man hands. He can work. He can build things. He can help people. He'd be really good helping out when the church has a project. Really good building an orphanage someday. And rescuing kids from abuse. We know he can do that in Jesus' name. Part of your word is I see you having a four-wheeler someday. And a piece of property. Hunting. Maybe even taking the kid out hunting. Or fishing. That's never got the opportunity. See, he's got the heart to bring kids to God. To be a dad to kids that never had a dad. Still getting to have fun. Because see owning a boat. You have a boat yet? You want one? Good. But the purpose of the boat is not to get away from his bride. The purpose of the boat is to get with God and to help out kids that never, ever been on a boat ride. Because of you and your wife going on trips like that. So anoint him, Lord Jesus. God, you touch him. At one time, he could have been a little bit antisocial. But God is changing you. You are a changed man. And coming tonight is a huge step for you. Oh, God, I pray he doesn't call me out. Amen. I mean, if you could go to the bathroom five minutes ago and not come back, you still love God, that is weird. And yet, God's going to use you tonight. He's going to use you. Amen. Because he has a heart of purity, God. I pray you touch him and change him to be that mighty man of God. I see times coming during the spirit of worship. Wham! The hands go in the air. He has changed dramatically in Jesus' name. I am believing for him to have that heart of a servant, to ask the pastor once a week, Pastor, what can I do for you tonight? I got a night off, my wife and I. I'm going to dedicate it for God. I want to do something for Jesus. I believe that his life will be significant. God, to the Lord, Terry... And he goes home, 
going to be severely missed because he's a man that can wear a hundred hats in more ways than one. Like a mighty and powerful. I see him eating a Jeep someday. I'm believing for a big piece of property for you to own so he can hunt on your land in Jesus' name. What do you think about that? Was that good? Give Jesus a hand. Amen. Make sense to you? All right. Amen. Okay. You can be seated. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you. Amen. could see him also driving a big skid loader and some man stuff. Amen. Man pickup truck. What's that? Tonka. There you go. Okay. Now, uh, what we do is we have another commercial, and this time God's going to use you. So I'm going to pick somebody from the audience. How about the young lady there with the earrings, really big ones? That narrows it down to you. Okay. Okay. So just have a seat in the front row. She's going to be the next one we're going to prophesy over. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to raise your hands. Shut your eyes. Say, Jesus. Jesus. Fill me. Shout it. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Take a deep breath. Jesus, purify my heart. For the pure in heart will see God. Without holiness, no one can see the Lord. Take a deep breath. Blow out the junk. Purify your bride, Lord. Fill us with your spirit, God. Just like you did, Lord. The time of Moses. The time of the book of Acts. And God, through every major revival, you fill people with the spirit. Take a deep breath. Be filled with the spirit. Say, fill me, spirit. I want more of you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, uh, you guys go to church here? Or you go to church somewhere else? Yeah. Where do you go to church? See, I could see you someday. Uh, people come to church and it's raining out. It doesn't happen very often around here, but raining. And parking their cars for the elderly people. You could do that, brother. See? It's the heart of a good Samaritan. Okay. Now, here's what we do. Sister, why don't you come up here? All right. We're going to practice what you just learned. So everybody shut your eyes. Pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, speak through me. Now, as God begins to speak to you, words, pictures, feeling, he's known you know her. The first thing you feel, sense, see, hear possibly, that's what you're going to speak. Okay, open your eyes. Which three, more than three people, which three people got something? Raise your hand. What'd you get? Cowboy hat, jeans, and boots. Thanks. That's going to be a difficult one. Okay, who'd you see? No, it isn't. Vulnerable, but protected by the Father. What'd you see, brother? Really? Okay, I can, I, I'm starting to see a tie-in. Anybody else? Yes. Roses. Interesting. And you? Yes. Jumping through hoops. Amen. Okay, let's try to tie all four of those things together. Amen. She is extremely protective. One of the things that's really going to be close to her heart is fighting injustice. We're doing a video on rescuing kids from prostitution and child abuse. We're getting it set up for that. We're making it almost like secular, use some secular songs and show what we're doing in different countries. She would be a wonderful candidate to rescue kids. She hates, hates injustice. Exactly. She's not going to give up until she rescues and helps people. The cowboy is like Jesus walking with her. Tough, strong, mighty, powerful. She has nothing to be afraid of. Go into a place. Some people say, where are you going? You can't go there. Jesus is with me. Wherever I put my foot. Amen. And yet, without the protection of Jesus in the cowboy outfit, Extremely vulnerable. And some people look at you as superwoman. But she knows inside, without my cowboy, I can't do it. You married a single. And so Jesus is her protector. Amen. The roses. Hmm. 
Roses are beautiful. They smell nice. Exactly. They have thorns. And so in the midst of the beautiful person here, God is protecting him with thorns. We call it in the book of Job, the hedge of protection. Amen. She may go and do things that are tough and difficult and still smell beautiful, but God is protecting her. And I pray your man will be that protector too in Jesus' name. That he's a man that protects, serves, helps, promotes her in Jesus' name. He's the thorns around the pretty flower. And she's out there bold. If somebody's going to come and attack her, she can get behind those thorns. Kind of like a guy named Todd Palin. Amen. They attacked the woman and her kids. She can get right behind that man. Amen. I wouldn't mess with the guy. He can shoot moose. Okay. <laughs> right. so, she, so can she. The point is this. This lady could be a world changer right there. In Jesus' name. Give Jesus a hand. Amen. All right. You can be seated. Amen. So that's kind of how it works. Amen. Uh, now, let's uh, see. Let's pick somebody else. Okay. How about this guy right here? I don't know why people laugh when you come up, but let's try her again. You guys are doing good. Shut your eyes. Say, Jesus, Jesus. fill me with the Spirit. Give me a word from God. Okay. Three or four different people. What would you see? First thing. Yes, ma'am. He is all right. That's, yeah, that fits. All right. Yes. A ruler. Okay. Or it's all right. Ruler. Let's get some new people. We'll get you just a second. Somebody else hasn't yet word yet. What's that? Ooh, I like that prophecy. You like lakes? <laughs> no. Okay, a couple things is this. Ruler means precise. Details. Measuring. He's got that engineering brain. A perfectionist in some cases. Knows facts about things that nobody else cares about. It's 11.3694. Thanks. We don't need to know all the details. Okay. The, the lake, as I see him as an elder leader in the church, the application is baptizing people. I can see him doing that in Jesus' name. Of course, an application I'd wish would be living by the lake. Really? There you go. Okay, that's very interesting, so that's why he's fighting it. Okay. <laughs> Amen. Okay. Makes more sense. Because that lake home could be used for baptizing people. Amen. What was the other word somebody gave? Exactly. If you do go back, it's totally all right. Because there's a plan of God in that place. And it's all right. This is, this is good too. And you didn't make a mistake in the other move. It's okay. Even though maybe you would have had a little bit more of this or that or cash or whatever, it wasn't a mistake. Because he's a perfectionist, so he could beat himself. Well, that wasted la, 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 la. Right? It wasn't a waste. Because there were divine appointments in both places. In Jesus' name. It's all right, man. See, that was good. Give Jesus a hand. Amen? So, remember, it's not always a science, even though you're all about science and rulers and measurements. It's an art. Say an art. But does that reassure him? If you only knew. Don't think you're going to sell that house. But actually, you could have sold it, but not for that price. <laughs> you could have sold it. Every house can be sold for the right price. It's just that, is that what you want? Because, see, this lady here has a prophecy. They're supposed to buy a house on a lake. Bingo. She's that Catholic background. Mingle. It was a year ago, right? Well, have you talked to him about his lake house? 
Because she came to You got to know the story. She came to She was rubbing in. You said in one year I'd have a house by a lake, which I don't usually put a time frame on it. I don't put time frames on the prophecy, but I, I don't want to call her a liar either, but it's okay. I don't think I said that, but exactly. It is about a year to the date. So maybe you'll sign the contract before you leave. <laughs> I'm not saying that's a prophecy, but Weirder things than that have happened in my ministry. <laughs> oh, i got to tell you this. So I have a prophecy with this guy. So I see him building a multi-million dollar house, which he, and moving. He thought it was a fraud. And he ended up building it. I saw another guy. I said, I see you moving up. And he has a really nice house, about half a million. I see him moving up to a house, really nice. Another guy said, I see you buying a house on a lake and an eagle flying. Well, the one guy that saw the eagle ended up buying Dan's house, <clears throat> okay, on the lake. Dan ended up buying James's house, nice multi-million dollar house. And James built the house, and they all moved on the same day. It was like a, about a $4 million transactions. <laughs> if I was a realtor getting my, you know, double cuts, I would have made about two hundred grand. Guy, he's nice though. Um, <laughs> he built my orphanage in Guatemala. That's pretty close. See, it's interesting. All right, now we had to count how many people we got here. Three, six, okay. I like you to get now. This is the fun part. Stand up. Get in groups of five. There might be a group of. Four, but in groups of five. Start with five. And spread out. Not, not, don't have your wife in the first group or your husband. Just kind of spread out a little bit. Once you get five people, sit down. Move around. Sit together, kind of like. You guys in the sound booth, come on over here. 